Hey, Peace of Mind listeners, I'm really excited to bring you a special episode of another podcast that I had the pleasure of being a guest on. It's called Switched on Pop. It's about the making and the meaning of popular music, what makes a song a hit, and where it fits into pop culture. And if you like the part of the show where I deconstruct the song from the episode, you'll like Switched on Pop for sure. I had an absolute blast on the show. The hosts are musicologist Nate Sloan and songwriter and producer Charlie Harding. We broke down elements of my songwriting and production that I didn't even realize were going on. And we talked a lot about why I chose this crazy method of releasing an album as a podcast. So enjoy this special presentation and be sure to subscribe to Switched on Pop on your favorite podcast app. Peace of Mind will be back next week with our final episode of the season. It's a very special one, so be sure to tune in. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. So Nate, a few weeks ago, we talked with Justin Tranter Mm. on how he imbues activism into music. And that conversation got me thinking about the history of politically engaged music. And frankly, I was inspired to go out and look for new songwriters in the tradition of artists like Rage Against the Machine and Public Enemy and Joan Baez, which led us to B. Beeman. B. Beeman, in his own words, is a singer, songwriter, producer, dad, and an American. His album, Peace of Mind, has evocative lyrics that artfully speak to issues like immigration, voting rights, and even Russian statecraft. The topics are all serious, but the music is so much fun. Yeah. B is releasing each song as a podcast where he interviews experts on the issues and contextualizes them by breaking down the making of each song. And B. Beeman joined us in the studio to share his track on immigration called Beyond the Border. It's the story of a, kind of the head of a household. In this case, it's a, a father of a household, but it could be a mother. Uh, but it's basically about a, this father who is an undocumented immigrant, and his family is presumably legal. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write a novel about this. This is right. a three-minute song. So um, it's somewhat loose around, around the details, but it's a father who's deported, leaving the rest of his family behind in America. And I just want to, that's a story we've all heard, you know, with the news and, and ICE detain detainments. And, uh, but you don't hear about a story about a person. And so I always see people as people, not numbers and statistics. And over the years, I've written songs like this, where I talk about kind of the underdog kind of person. I mean, it's a worthy topic to me Mm. to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's like we an outbreak, and they are the treatment. They give us heartache and keep all the freedom. It's like we an outbreak. It's like we an outbreak. 
what is this lyric? Where's yeah. it coming from? It's a pretty cynical look on things, and it's, it ha- definitely has to do with white supremacy yeah. uh, and that kind of strain of, of hate running through America hmm. uh, today and maybe always, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Um, and it kind of comes from, I mean, I, I, I grew up wanting to be a comedian. I loved comedians a ton, George Carlin and Richard Pryor, but mm. this one comes from like kind of this specific thing that Bill Hicks said one time, which was that humans are viruses with shoes, <laughs> which is like a really cynical ass thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that always just pops up in my head every like six <laughs> months. Um, and uh, But there's this thing of, of you know, historically with African-Americans and slavery and, and Native Americans being kind of something undesirable and that sort of thing about germs and it's like, Mm. Those brown people are an outbreak, and then the white supremacists are the treatment to this scourge or whatever, mm. you know. Mm. And so, I mean, it's one of the most cutting things I've ever written in my mm. life, it, it, just boiling it way, way, way down to say it's like we're an outbreak and they're the treatment. Like, they can't exist until we are eliminated. And, um, you know, it, it came from, I mean, I wrote this post-2016 election, and yeah. and that was... That was a kind of a mandate by 40% of America that talking about Mexicans as though they are subhuman, talking about Muslims as though they are subhuman was okay with 40% of them, 30, 40%, whatever that might be. Mm. Um, it was hurtful. It was very hurtful. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm not, I'm neither of those things. I'm like a Hindu person, but I might as well be in, in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. So it comes from a place of hurt, but I, I don't know, maybe I overanalyzed it or something. But. Not at all. That's that's our bread and butter here yeah. is <laughs> overanalyzing things. Part of what makes this chorus so powerful for me is obviously the words, but also how you perform them. Yeah. And first off, this is the first time in the song that we get background vocals. Yeah. It's like we're an outbreak, and they are the treatment. They give us heartache. So all of a sudden we get this. There's many bees speaking yeah. on top of each other, but there you also have one that almost sounds like it's like behind like a megaphone. Yeah, and that quality has it like, like there. It's an outbreak of voices that yeah. happen. I've oh, never I never even it. thought about it that way, but very cool. <laughs> this is the first album I ever I produced by myself from from top to bottom, and I took a lot of inspiration from you know like Tame Impala and like some of these these mm-hmm. bands are bands are really just like one person doing it and i remember him saying you know if you want for like one millisecond you want a thousand of your voices to play you can do that yeah. <laughs> um so you know the world's your oyster when you're producing your own stuff and uh i mean these are just things when as you know like when you record something and then you play it back you hear something in your head it needs that yeah. it needs this mm-hmm. it needs that and so it's just a process of elimination and addition mm-hmm. yeah the other thing I noticed about the performance is its contrast in rhythm to the underlying drums. What's going on with the way that you're saying this? <laughs> the way that I'm saying it's like we're an outbreak? Yeah. Rhythmically, it feels like the, the drums are kind of like pretty clear, like, duh. Duh, yeah. duh. And you're like, you're kind of have this really hard swung, almost triplet feel. Oh man. I've, I've been asked that question a lot and I really just don't know the answer. It's just like, 
you know, just, just it, it just is. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a lot of th- years of of doing things my way, I guess. Yeah, and huh. um, I did uh, a tour with Chris Cornell, and he was like, "Where did you learn to do that?" Like, uh-huh. because I'm always like behind the beat. Yeah, yeah. Like I play sometimes. I play solo and I play guitar, and I've been playing guitar since I was seven years old. So I consider myself a guitarist first, and then a singer. But my guitar work is pretty met. Metronome, you know, metronomic. Yes, that's Ooh. a word, right? Oh yeah, that's I just a made word. that word up. Mm. Uh, there's a zamp in the lamp, and that's metronomic. Yeah, um, <laughs> and Whew, that was sexy. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> I'm turning you on right now. Yeah. Um, cool down. So uh, it's been kind of a mystery. Uh, maybe it's some something to do with like I listen to like Nina Simone like a ton. Yeah, and she's kind of way behind. Totally. I was going to say uh, Billie Holiday. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, it's, Nina Simone. Yeah. It's it's. Can be especially when I venture into anything that is like within the realm of pop. It's like can be problematic because <laughs> it's too sexy. Yeah, it's too swung. No, it's just too swung sometimes. So I have to like really physically like make sure I'm I'm on it, or I'll just do it in post. <laughs> well, I think that it it works in this song because you have an underlying rhythm. Maybe we can think of that as like racial normativity Mm -hmm. and then you have this lyric of the the immigrant story which Mm -hmm. isn't completely in sync with that normative rhythm and it's sort of doing its own thing trying to assert itself wow and be a part of the song Mm. that's awesome man you you guys are making my song really really deep (laughs) just like that just wait because we want to go even deeper we want to take this section and and break it down a little further you've been kind enough to share some of the musical stems of of this chorus with us so we were interested in in actually going through each musical element here and seeing if it might have some commentary on the larger themes of the song yeah and let's start with the synthesizer Might as well jump. Yeah. (laughs) You mean... Yes. You knew it. (laughs) Awesome. Wow. That makes me very happy. Yeah, that's really fun. What do you think the sound is doing in the song? It's it's a syncopated feel because I I came up with the guitar chords. It was like... Bang, bang. It's more dreamy, but mm. this is more staccato, like like there's a lot of syncopation going on, and it's just fun. I don't know. Even without the before, I had the drums in there. I, it was something I was bobbing my head to. Yeah. So. Let's talk. Let's talk about those drums. Yeah. Wow, that sounds terrible by itself. (laughs) Sounds so corny. (laughs) We were really digging on this earlier because there's like two related but separate drum feels we're hearing here. One is like the big, bombastic, funky hip-hop groove. And then it moves into this sort of sparser, more melodic... I don't know, how how, how do we describe that second drum pad? It sounds like some kind of mallet or like what, what is that song? oh yeah you're oh that's you're calling those drums those are just like yeah straight up mallets 
Gotcha. Okay, so percussion yeah. maybe percussion, is more, yeah. more accurate. Yeah. Um, but the role that that plays in the song is... I mean, it's it's singing like it's like we're an outbreak. Yeah, dun 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 dun. It's kind of just enforcing it a little bit. We we have a, a notion that there might be some mirroring of the larger themes sure. of the song here in these two drum yeah. beats. Like perhaps one is, you know, say us and them. I guess if we're just going to abstract mm-hmm. the whole the Got whole na- song song narrative, like maybe one drum beat is us and the other is them is mm. that are we that can be said that could be said far here? I, well, I think it's also appropriate i mean to to take your analysis even further yeah yeah is, is that you, we have on one hand like global pop music drumming in the beginning yeah. and then you have what sound kind of like west african yeah. style yeah percussion totally uh and so you have that mirroring of us mm. and them the global center and the global periphery it's sort of themes of the song Ooh, happening within, yeah. the, within cool. the drumming. I like that. I like it. I like that. Let's you, go. Go. you guys know more about me than I do. We're still um, we're still tunneling. Maybe that's my subconscious work in there. It's yeah. I mean, it is. That's. I mean, like, part of it was. I mean, this is a challenging subject. Sure, you know, yeah. no doubt. And it's in the in a pop uh, in a pop world of music, it's incredibly challenging. I feel hmm. so. Part of the reason I needed to be catchy as fuck was <laughs> like musically, that was, you know, sugar with the medicine sort of thing. Yeah, and right. I can't just talk about subjects without the songs being very, very good. Like mm-hmm. the subject matter is not more important than the song being good. And that's mm-hmm. my top criteria. Sometimes, unfortunately, people, you know, like to preach more than they yeah. like to write the song. Yeah. Um, so I'm very careful with that. So these rhythms are, are also just serving the fact that they're fun. I mean, yeah, totally. That's like number one because I know this shit's challenging. Yeah, it's not normal to be talking about a deported family, and no, and I'm limiting myself with who will like it. But I think a lot of people can resonate with this this yeah. message. You know? No, no, I think you know a big part of like why we're we were excited to talk to you. This is in many ways not a pop song just because by its nature it can't like you said this mm-hmm. can't exist on it's too specific it's too real mm-hmm. pop by its nature needs to be a little you know like yeah vague and an ob- yeah. Ob- obfuscatory or something nice um thank you um <laughs> i wanted to match metronomic yeah <laughs> but this is effective because it's still it's still pleasurable and yeah. and fun and doesn't like alienate you i guess Anyway, but we got to keep going. We got to dig further sure. through the musical sediment to the next layer, which is rhythm guitars. And once again, it's like a binary. There's two sounds at yeah. once here, right? And they're very different. Just like the drums had the hip hop and the the mallets, now the rhythm guitars have like the really big distorted chords. It's like Green Day ish or like, <laughs> kind of like dark distorted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then this and then at the same time, these like tight, syncopated, chunky rhythms reminiscent. Yeah, maybe actually reminiscent of like uh, West African guitar styles. Or, I'm definitely a big fan. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's it's coming out. Yeah. So it seems like again we might have this contrast. Us that and might them, just be you know? me. That might just be all me. The two, the two sides. And I of can't your help myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I literally don't think about it in that way yeah. when I'm doing it. But you're right. I mean, it. They're two totally different things. It's it's 
it's not like code switching or whatever you want hmm. to call it, but it's like living in two different worlds. And, and you know, I do kind yeah. of, as an artist, have to live in multiple worlds sometimes um, by the nature of me not being white or black in America. And um, hmm. uh, I can, I know a lot of Hank Williams songs. I know a lot of <laughs> ACDC songs. Yeah. I know, you know, a lot of West Coast rap guitar riffs and stuff like sure. that. And I just know a lot of different things. And that can serve me well, for sure. There's a melting pot of music happening in, in the production of this song. Yeah, there's like, a lot going on in this one. Uh, my favorite sound in the whole thing, I think, is the lead guitar. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's the mind, too. Yeah. Har- <laughs> harmonize. <laughs> I mean that's a that's me trying to be the Almond Brothers right there because they are well known for their harmony, totally. their lead guitar yeah. harmonies, yeah. and they're like one of my favorite groups. They're very unique in terms of American rock and roll, and um, they their guitar playing is really really sweet. Yeah. It just is. Can, so, can we get a little, little taste of that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Inimitable. There's, there's yeah. just, they are so, so unique in that sound. Yeah. I love here that you have layered in a southern rock guitar <laughs> sound into a song about immigration called Beyond the Border. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're capturing, you're capturing the sound, which it's almost like it feels like a misappropriation of some of a of a southern sound and almost like a reclamation of that sound sure, for, for a sure. different purpose. Yeah. It totally is. I think that's like the most catchy part of the song in a lot of ways. Um, and most of Allman Brothers band fans are kind of country rock fans, right? So, yep. which indexes generally older and more white. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think we have three three fans in this room as well. Yeah, but that that is a, a trend. It's not. Yeah. There are also trends towards yes, like more conservatism in in, yeah, yeah. in that fan base. So I wanted combining my lyrical. You know, what I was saying with the lyrics and then this sort of very rem- – something that's like, oh, I've heard it before, but I haven't heard it before, yeah. this kind of thing. And one of the things I, I thought was really cool was bringing that classic rock, southern rock thing into like kind of a more, dare I say, EDM sort of huh. style. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not EDM, but I thought that was fascinating to me. I thought mm. – and the fact that it worked, it wasn't like, oh, let's fucking put two fucking <laughs> things together. That's cool. It was like, yeah, it worked well, and it took a lot of noodling on my part. I mean, I was listening to the backing track for a while and then came up with that guitar part just from soloing over it. Yeah, I think those two worlds coming together, <laughs> like you've been saying, a lot of worlds coming together. Totally, totally. And that's partly why I think it's catchy and, and good. Yeah. On your podcast, you talk about your motivation for the song, and I want to play a clip of that. Okay, sure. We're all trying to find a safe place to live here on this little blue marble of ours. And many times when you see a mass migration of people, it's because of violence or destruction. And sometimes the lack of empathy and compassion for these circumstances is frustrating. The experience of the immigrant, it's not an easy one. It's something that I've woven into a lot of my songs. My last album was sort of an immigrant story. I wrote songs called Move Into Brussels, which was kind of like a breakup song, but an immigrant's breakup with the only country they've ever known. I'm 
Bread and Butter was another song which is celebrating the hard work and also the vitality of many immigrant communities. I had a song called There Goes the Neighborhood, and that took a different tact. That took the tact of the uh, Stephen Millers, Steve Bannon, the Steves of the world. Basically, someone lamenting the changing face of their America. And even maybe my most popular song to date, which was a song called Gutter Snipe. A person who's penniless and, and just roaming from town to town almost doesn't really have a home. Something that's always stuck with me was the Statue of Liberty and those famous, incredibly moving words by Emma Lazarus. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. I'll never forget those words. So you, you weave the stories of immigration into a lot of your songs you're saying. Here, there is a sort of a, a strange narrative choice in which you're almost singing parts of it Sometimes it sounds like you're speaking from the immigrant perspective, and others it's you're referencing the sort of white supremacist perspective. Hmm. But I wanted to know: is there any way in which you're in this song? Oh yeah, I can I can definitely say that something that that's part of me is this that feeling of all my family's dead and gone this side of the fence I'm on. So hmm. this person's been deported, and you know, ostensibly is Mexican, born and raised, or you know. Let's just say he's Mexican, born and raised, and then he goes back, but there's nothing left for him there. Mm. Even though, you know, why don't you just go that? Why don't you just go back to your country? He's like, well, there's nothing for me there, kind of thing. Mm. And so, that part of it is definitely, you know, I've been told that before, and and mm. that there's some truth to it in my songwriting. <laughs> yeah, the the bridge and outro. I took a bit of a risk of alienating people there, but in this crazy time of like we elected Donald Trump, I mean, it's. It's pretty crazy. He's a strange man. And uh, <laughs> and so um part of it is like everyone's lost their goddamn mind is one of the one of the lines in the song and that's in reference to like a lot of people professing to be Christian and you know caring for others and that's a big ethos of Christianity. Look out for your brother um yeah. and your neighbor. But there's this cognitive dissonance thing going on there that is undeniable um that's all (laughs) my voice of god opinion in the song um so i do play around with perspective there for sure it speaks to something you said earlier and something you actually shared on your podcast about how humans have an absurd capacity to rationalize any narrative that will make sense to (laughs) support their a really interesting part of that was so i spoke with the social psychologist lee ross and He's done conflict resolution in Israel and Northern Ireland. And so intense situations where violence was on the table, for sure. And um, saying that, you know, people can obviously rationalize, but collectively, groups of people rationalize, not by their own thinking, but by something somebody else came up with. 
and they accept that rationalization as a group in group think and that was like holy crap like yeah. that's amazing it's and one of our worst capacities is the, the ability to rationalize othering yeah by, uh, across some sort of line for sure why get political in your music hmm. um i ask that question to myself a lot um <laughs> it's part of me i mean it's like in certain genres of music it's prominent in hip-hop it's one of the defining features you might say right to be socially conscious yeah. but in other genres it's it's not okay at all in some genres only certain issues are on the table mm-hmm. i mean in 2009 there's a, a big civil war in sri lanka and and our people the tamil sri lankan people were on the the receiving end of mm-hmm. of most of that um and there's a lot of violence and so that was a definitive moment of knowing that no one's coming to help, I guess, in that situation, which is terribly sad. I'm sorry to bring everybody down on this topic. But it, we'll play this, some fun beats later. Yeah, should play no, some this, cool this is, beats, some hot beats. Um, <laughs> this is important. But um, yeah, so that was d- a defining moment in, in a lot of our community's lives. The Tamil diaspora is what, what we call it, call ourselves. So that's part of it. But like in the 90s, I was, I was super into just all kinds of stuff. I don't know why. I think Bob Dylan is to blame for that uh, because, you know, everybody says Bob Dylan is like every songwriter who has anything yeah. to say. is like Bob Dylan, that's cliche, but it really was him for yeah. me. And, you know, I had the essential 20 greatest hits of Bob Dylan that I wore out. You know, that gray cover that sure. every band has <laughs> um, from Best Buy probably. And uh-huh. um, he changed my thinking about how, big the world can be and like i was just sitting in my room you know i, I didn't mm-hmm. venture too far out and but that opened my mm-hmm. mind way way up yeah well you were sharing about the the civil war in sri lanka it seems to connect actually to that lyric that you were saying that that feels personal of if you know people have yelled at you mm-hmm. get out of here go back home of course you're an american yeah. you're born in america but your family is from sri lanka and so but that that is a very true story i mean yeah. going back home for, that, for them, or going as a family a, is not. Yeah, they would have known it to be. Yeah, totally. I have a funny story about about being told to go to your, <laughs> go back to your country. Um, my mom is a, a ER pediatrician in in St. Louis, which is which is where I grew up. And sometimes, you know, parents come in with sick kids, and they're, you know, they're pretty upset and sure. volatile. Yeah. And somebody, you know, my mom was telling her, like, asking her maybe tough questions: what's going on at, at the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe too personal, but uh, so she said. Why not? You know, got fed up, and why don't you go back to your country? And this is my mom, who's pretty soft spoken, was yeah. like, "Excuse me." <laughs> it's like uh, this country chose me because at that point she was a citizen. It's like, did this country choose you? And I was like, "Damn, mom, you! Wow. I didn't know you had. The, I didn't know you had those burns in you." And uh, wow, she's usually not not like that. Yeah. But I was like, "Oh man, wow." That's good for you, mom. <laughs> that's awesome. That just got my heart racing. <laughs> Something that really moves me about this song is your willingness to put yourself in the position of someone else, someone you know at risk of being deported. That's mm-hmm. a real powerful act of empathy. But you know, as one of our a, a friend and, and listener, Matt uh, Linder, uh, pointed out on Twitter on other songs, you're embodying characters characters who are less empathetic oh, on, yeah. on on another song in the album can't nobody stop us you're singing from the perspective of a dictator mm-hmm. what what motivated that randy newman probably because uh. he plays with that perspective stuff a lot 
when I was a kid, he crystallized in my mind what you could do, like from the viewpoint of somebody who's not nice. (laughs) And, you know, I liken it to an actor who's like, oh, I got to play this juicy role of this villain. Like, there's so much opportunity Mm. to say biting lines that you can't say from the underdog perspective. Mm. Only the person looking from up high, looking down on somebody can say certain things. And in that instance, that can't nobody stop us. It was a powerful way to, to get my point across that you can't do from the underdog perspective. And like, you can say some stuff with glee, like Mm. with the perspective, you can kind of like embody that and, and show pure, Gleeful evil is that that sounds terrible together. Gleeful evil, but uh, that's the, that, I mean, I think most dictators feel gleefully yeah. evil. Gleefully evil, yeah. Glee, Glee, gleeful for Glee- sure. Gleeful. So gleeful. <laughs> yeah. All that's necessary is the Mr. Burns yeah, finger taps, finger together. tapping, yeah. exactly. But yeah, it is, if you're going to tackle certain subjects, it's a lot more fun. Like I have one where from my first album where I'm the Enron an Enron executive who's like stealing money from people's pensions That's and great. he's loving doing it yeah. and like there's that gleeful evil there again yeah. uh, gleeful gleeful yeah you have wall street executives you have uh you have a great song is it uh from Russia with love yeah. where you play basically uh, <laughs> an yeah. oligarch or yeah. Yeah. a Putin I play yeah I play well I'm playing partly Trump at one point but it's kind of like I'm I'm Trump's Russian handler who can't quite get a hold of him because he's gone off script because he's <laughs> such a narcissist and he's like he's like oh I can do it and it's like no they still have blackmail on yeah. you like you still have to report to them um, but yeah you said earlier about the importance of when you're making politically charged music that it still has to be fun and your music is all fun like I you you could listen to it and never listen to a mm. lyric and you're gonna have a good time and then you start listening to the lyric and you're gonna think. And there's something about taking on the position of a third party in which you don't have to just sort of like raise a fist and say, hey, I hate you. You're a terrible person. But rather you can just show instead of telling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going through like the back door of somebody's mind through storytelling is kind of the way to go a lot of times, in my opinion. Like I was talking in in episode one, I talked to this to Glenn Washington, who does Snap Judgment, really great storyteller. And he's like. I've had a lot of experience, you know, he's from rural Michigan and he he goes back home and he can't talk politics with people. He's like, you know, nobody wants to argue. Nobody leaves an argument changed with a changed mind. People respond to stories and, you know, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes for a second really is, you know, more effective. So that's kind of where I come from, too. Well, this is, I think, a great opportunity to transition to talk about your show because you have you have released an album in an entirely untraditional way. So we're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we're going to hear about how to, I don't even know what to say. How, how do I even put it? He's could, stumped. I I'm broke stumped. the internet. <laughs> how you break the internet? Wreck-It Ralph breaks <laughs> the podcast world. Now that we've moved from talking about this particular song to the album as a whole, we can ask you a question that's been on our minds why release this album as a accompanying podcast what was behind that decision yeah i mean it's accompanying but it's also i'm i'm literally releasing it in the podcast form too so first off it was like 
nerd punk rock to me yeah. to release an album as a podcast. I love that. <laughs> uh, it was it was that's it was just like anarchy slightly, you know, very tiniest bit of anarchy. Totally. And it was like an MP3 is an MP3, an audio file is an audio file. What's stopping you? Yeah. And I soon realized there's nothing stopping you. And you know, my podcast network that I'm on, Critical Frequency, is a woman-owned, woman-run podcast network. And right. If you want to do that, you can do that. There's yeah. no hurdle in your way to doing that. Mm. As you guys have known for years now, podcasting is this beautiful format that is the Wild West. You can do anything you want. Oh, as yeah. long as it's good, people will listen, and it's totally merit-based, you know? Mm. The music industry is not always merit-based, you know? Um, it's, it's it's like, how do you look? What what's your cool name and what you know there's a few things your image and stuff like that i feel like it would be irresponsible for me to not point out though the number of women who get attacked for not having proper voice and overusing vocal fry is a like trope within mm. podcasting oh, uh, and so props to critical frequency for also trying to fight that trend because it, it is a constant I, i'm sure if you talk to any yeah no they have i think critical frequency has merch as that says, I love vocal fry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah. So, <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah, matter, for but. sure. But it's wide open. Yeah. Releasing uh, an album as a podcast was an idea that my wife actually kind of brought to me, and I probably scoffed at it. Huh. I was, uh, thought I was above it or something. But <laughs> it's she's the one who has been obsessed with podcasts. I'm a, a fan of podcasts. I've, I have been for a while, but she's one of those people who's just like, at least four podcasts a day type of wow. person, you know? Like, just because she can do a bazillion things. Yeah, yeah. Time. yeah. Um, Hard to write songs and listen to podcasts. No, yeah, <laughs> you gotta get a pick and choose what you listen to, for sure. But the album is a concept album. I mean, had Trump not been elected, it would have been a different album, for mm -hmm. sure. I mean, life would be different for everyone. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely political. I have a, a, songs about a lot of big issues going on today. Immigration is beyond the border. A song called Eeny Meeny, which is about voter suppression and different tactics of voter suppression. Another one's called Brother, Can You Spare Some Peace of Mind? It's about kind of mental health in right. America. Mm -hmm. Giant is a song about women and gender inequality and so on. So each song has kind of a different theme. And I didn't quite see a space for like this album in many genres. I mean, rock world, folk, Americana world doesn't fit. Pop world doesn't really fit. But the audience for politics was fully in the podcast world yeah. to mm. me. Like everybody mm. who is passionate about politics and what was going on was listening to Pod Save America, um, right. Right. The Daily, all these right. different podcasts, yep. these major ones. Lots of Vox podcasts, <laughs> right away. And in your podcast, you're doing more than just waxing poetic about your own music. Oh, no. So in your episode about Beyond the Border, you speak with an ACLU immigrants rights attorney, and you also talk with an activist artist author about their experiences in fighting for justice. For you, what does pairing the music with mm. these experts do for the listeners of those songs? Well, when I write the songs, they are three to four minutes, and you can only say so much, obviously, yeah. in a song. I And... You know, when you write songs, you edit yourself and only the certain bits make it through, right? And um, there's a lot more to be said about these issues than just releasing. And that was part of the appeal of doing the podcast format. I can really, like, control the narrative of what we're talking about and all this stuff. But every episode has to do with these themes. And this one was immigration. And I am 
the dumbest person in the room every single episode. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. that's the way mm-hmm. I want it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I'm hoping to learn something myself and by extension, other people will learn something who came to my podcast for music, let's say. Um, Are there any surprising conversations that you've had with some of those experts where you're like, oh, I, I hadn't even, I wrote a song about this subject, hmm. but I had no idea oh, yeah. what was actually going on. I'm writing these songs from afar a lot of times. Um, if they have to do with a political subject that, isn't like in my world necessarily so a deportation isn't in my world i just see it on the news but i empathize with it and i feel like it's a story to to be told i know only so much and i bring in these people whose lives are these issues so they've worked their whole life on immigration or voting rights i had the guy from the aclu voting rights project on there dale ho and he i didn't know a goddamn thing about what he was talking about but it was all interesting like all the hours and sweat and tears and stuff of just fighting to maintain voting at a normal at at like where everyone can kind of vote <laughs> yeah. is incredible an incredible amount of work oh man and yeah. people are fighting really hard to chip away chip away chip yeah, away yeah. and purge people from voter rolls and all this stuff and just seeing how much like passion these people have and you know lawyers get a lot of bad raps for being you know Who's the fam- most famous lawyer right now? Michael Avenatti or something? It's like, like there's a lot of beautiful people who are lawyers who are doing a lot of hard, hard, yeah. unheralded work. And it was, it was the podcast was an excuse for me to like showcase some of these people. Isn't yeah. that a beautiful thing though? Where you have, you were saying earlier about in, in, you often want to embody another character and be able to tell a story and have it be specific enough. It has the details in there. It feels real. And yet the way that you're releasing this show, you're bringing in other people's stories that relate to that song. And so it almost becomes this like lattice of storytelling where it's not just the song as the essential experience of beyond the border immigrant experience. It's an opportunity for someone to hear a piece of themselves in that song and then tell Mm. their story. Absolutely. I mean, their stories are more interesting than my song stories. My songs are, you know, candy kind of, you know. Um, mm. These are these are real things that these, these – this is real work that people are doing. Mm. They, they don't just talk on TV. They <laughs> rarely talk on TV. They yeah, just right. work and work and work and do their work. Beyonce famously dropped a visual album, you know. Maybe the podcast album is the next – yeah, I want I want more of these. I'm really. I've, I've I'm told really somebody somebody's gonna content. in five five years somebody's gonna like or a lot of people are gonna hate me for, <laughs> for like opening up this Pandora's box. Well, we asked this question last on our last episode, which was about the sound of streaming and basically how do you get noticed in the mm. sound of streaming? Yeah, I like was... how you put it. Is like an MP3 is an MP3, and one way to get noticed is actually it's not in the normal playlists. It's in a different playlist. It's in a different yeah. place. It's still just audio. And so one way of being heard and when everything is available is doing something which is a little bit different. Yeah, this is super different. And, and it was, it's been fun to like learn a trade, a craft that's certainly adjacent to music production, but it's certainly yep. right, right up that alley. And with, the, with this podcast, I thought, I mean, I watched the news, I, I checked Twitter, all that stuff, sure. and it's insane. Um, and you feel like a goldfish sometimes. You're like, I don't even know what happened yesterday. Like, yeah. I don't know what's yeah. going on. And something I wanted to do with this is like a year from now, looking back, it's like kind of a proper time capsule of what's really going on. Not just mm. like hour by hour, day by day. What did Trump do or whatever? It's like what has been going on for these two years or whatever. And I feel like mm. 
by talking to these specific people who work on these issues of immigration or mental health and and and, and upcoming episodes about you know teen suicide um which unfortunately is a personal issue um mm. and kind of getting a, a 30,000 foot view as opposed to this you know twitter yeah. view i mm-hmm. guess and so if somebody wanted to look back on it five years from now, what was going on? Maybe they, this podcast would give them a, a taste of what was going on. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's like you said, the, a song can only do so much, only should do so much, yeah. really. With this approach, you get that that context and that nuance, but the song can be intact as this pleasurable, mysterious, wonderful artifact. We'll see. We'll check back in in five years. Yeah, check back in. <laughs> we'll see where the podcast album is at. Banned from podcasting. I'll be completely banned. I think what's cool about your music is that it's it shows that you can be political in a lot of different ways. Like kind of like we were talking about, right? You can be very overtly political in your lyrics, but you can also be. You know, I, now I'm thinking like, is singing behind the beat like that? Can be you can interpret that even. As, <laughs> as politics i mean which is to say like that that is doing some kind of work of decentering us from our expectations and that puts you in a in a place where you're like maybe looking at the world in a different way and imagining things as they well, could be yeah. a, other than the way they are and that itself is a you know political That's Im- cool. imagination so i like the idea that music it can like even music that doesn't seem on the surface like it has a message or has a social critique mm-hmm. in its very you know its musical dna can be doing things that still like help you rage and protest <laughs> and like express yourself you know yeah i mean i you were talking about some guy on twitter saying like i or a girl was saying i don't want politics in my music yeah, yeah. I, like, huh. I like the escape and i totally get that like I loved listening to Post Malone and, and yeah. like escaping. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. But what I find funny is that why is television and comedy saturated with politics? Yeah. Like saturated. Yeah. Right? Really, it's like almost you can't even pull the two apart. Right. But music is not there yet. Huh. Like Hassan Minaj's Homecoming King was like inspirational to this podcast thing because I could control the narrative. Yeah. I could tell people who I am, telling people I'm from fucking St. Louis, Missouri. I'm not a world artist. I'm yeah. a, I'm not a, Sri, I'm not a Sri Lankan American Woody Guthrie or whatever the fuck people, call, you know, like I am just a kid and yeah. it was yeah. a different name, but I am American. Yeah. And, um, and that's even just that little sentence is a political statement apparently. No you doubt. Know? Um, but it's, it's nice to see the world changing and hopefully for the better. Yeah. 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 B, this has been such an amazing conversation. I think you do such a essential job of showing people how to bring big issues into weighty issues into music and still make it fun and enjoyable. Any song which is going to protest something, people still have to sing it together to protest <laughs> together and they have to want to sing it. And I think you, you really pave an amazing path for people to do that. So thank you for breaking this stuff down with us. So, B, before we send you off, mm-hmm. where can people find your music and your show? Uh, you can find it on all the podcast streaming platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. Um, the album and the podcast are both peace of mind, peace yeah. as in world peace. Yeah. Peace of mind is the podcast and album title. And um, 
the album, which is comprised of you know three or four minute songs, is available on all the streaming platforms, yeah. uh, Spotify and Apple Music. And the podcast, also called Peace of Mind, is available on all those podcast networks. Check it out. Peace of Mind, B. Beeman. Uh, thank you so much, B. No problem. Switch on Pop is a production of Vox Media. Our producer is Jillian Weinberger, engineering by Brandon McFarland, and our community manager is Sarah Terry. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Allison Rocky. You can find our playlist of politically reactive music on Spotify. We'll have a link in the in the show notes, or you can find it on our uh, Spotify profile. And we also want to say thank you to the folks who helped seed some great songs for that playlist. Jess Shoreland, AJ, Ed Harris, Allison Shillington, Blinky Bill, Justin Talbot Zorn, Andrea Warner, Ian Watt, Tyler Bunsey, August Mist, Kevin Anders, Jeannie Yoon, Kevin Welsh, Mackenzie Orr, Konihita Mala, Matt Linder, Caitlin Foster, and Amy. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pop, and we really like it if you send us your thoughts and recommendations there. Also, if you're an Apple Podcast user, please leave us a review. It really helps the show. See you next Tuesday. And until then, thanks, thanks for, listening. for listening.